Hello everybody, this is our 10th and final sermon looking at the letter to the Philippians. Our title for the series has been How to Follow Christ in a Challenging World and the answer we're going to get this week is that we are to be content. This is Philippians chapter 4 verses 10 to 23. There is a famous story about Hudson Taylor. Hudson Taylor was the man who in the 19th century set up the China Inland Mission. Thousands were converted through his ministry and it is said that he laid the foundations for the present underground revival in the country through which millions of people are turning to Jesus today. When Hudson Taylor was 27, he was preparing to go out to China. He worked all week to earn money and then ministered on a Sunday. He lived a very frugal life. All he ate was porridge for breakfast and gruel for dinner. One day he went to visit a poor man whose wife was dying and would leave behind five children. He wanted to give to the man, but all the money he had in the world was half a crown, his wages from that week. At first, after wrestling in his mind, he declined to give it. But as he spoke the words, I have nothing to give, he suddenly felt like a hypocrite. How could he preach about the father's love and trusting in him when he himself relied more on money than he did on God? Eventually they prayed the Lord's Prayer together, after which the poor man turned to Hudson Taylor and implored him, if you can help us, for God's sake, do Suddenly Hudson knew what he must do and he gave the man all the money he had. Hudson reported later that immediately joy filled his heart and although now penniless, he sang all the way home. However, as he ate his gruel that night, he prayed to God. He reminded the Lord that he that giveth to the poor lendeth to the Lord. And he asked the Lord not to let the loan be a long one. After a peaceful night's sleep, the very next morning he received an unexpected letter. Inside it was a pair of gloves and a half sovereign. In 12 hours, Hudson had received a 400% return on his investment. Now, if you read any biography on Hudson Taylor, you will see that this was the turning point of his life and that he came back to it time and again. In this one event, he learned to trust God with the little things, and that helped him in the more serious trials that he was to face later on. In that one short but true anecdote, we can see the principles for generous giving as they are laid out in the Bible. When we give to those in need, it immediately blesses the receiver. Yet at the same time, It also pleases God. When we give to another in this sacrificial way, God sees it as an offering made to himself. What was it Jesus said? That which you do for the least of people, you also do for me. Giving to others is simultaneously an offering that honours and delights the Lord. Consequently, giving to others also results in us receiving blessing for ourselves. 
It may not always be immediate, it may not always be financial as it was with Hudson Taylor, but God is no one's debtor and he delights to lovingly respond in kind. This is the principle behind Christian giving. It brings joy to those in need, it brings joy to God and ultimately it brings joy to the giver. Today we reach our final reading in the letter to the Philippians and at last we find Paul getting round to the reason he began writing in the first place. The letter to the Philippians at its heart is a thank you letter. As we have heard a few times in this series Paul was in prison as he wrote these words. He was there because of his faith. His preaching of King Jesus had upset the powerful in the land. But back in the ancient world, prisoners were kept in prison until their trial, where they would either be sentenced, often to torture or death, or set free. These imprisonments could be brief or last a very long time. But whichever was the case, the friends and family of the prisoner had to find ways of providing for their loved one. No prison meals were served, no clothes were given out, no care or support was given. Prison in the ancient world was a truly horrendous place to be. Consequently, when the Philippians had heard of Paul's predicament, they had immediately rallied round and taken up an offering for him. Once the money had come in, they gathered it up and sent it off in the hands of one of their church leaders, Epaphroditus. Just imagine how Paul must have felt receiving that gift. Not only was it food and warmth, comfort and shelter, it meant that the people he had laboured so hard to take the gospel to were standing in faith alongside him. It must have been a great encouragement. The Philippians' gift really had brought great joy to Paul and he was writing to tell them and thank them. Listen again, verse 10. I rejoiced greatly in the Lord that you renewed your concern for me. The Philippians' gift really was a blessing to Paul. However, Paul moves quite quickly on from there to state how the generosity of that small church also pleased God. Listen to verse 18. I have received from Epaphroditus the gifts you sent. They are a fragrant offering, an acceptable sacrifice, pleasing to God. This is the profound truth of Christian giving. As we allow ourselves to be moved by the needs of others and practically take steps to help, not only are we supporting them, but we are delighting the Lord. He loves it when his people behave towards others as he himself does, with great grace and mercy. Consequently, Paul fully expects the Philippians to be rewarded by God for their service. Not that that was the reason the Philippians gave initially, but Paul believes that God gives in return to the generous. Paul says in verse 17, Not that I desire your gifts. What? I desire is that more be credited to your account. As Christians give generously to others, God sees to it that they grow in return. Think of the way you teach a child to look after money. The more they use their pocket money wisely and carefully, the more their parents entrust them with. 
Well, the more we use our resources to bless those around us, as God wants us to, the more he gives us of his kingdom funds to steward and look after. Let's really get hold of this truth, for both Hudson Taylor and the Apostle Paul found it to be life-changing. When God's people give sacrificially to those in need around them, it brings joy to the receiver, joy to God, and joy to the givers themselves in the long run. I want to now move on though, for although this teaching about giving is important, I'm not sure it's the main thing that Paul wanted us to take away from the end of this letter. In fact, he had a far greater secret to disclose, the secret of happiness. As Paul wrote to say thank you to the Philippians, he faced a bit of a challenge. How was he going to be grateful in his reception of the gift without being seen to be asking for more? After all, Paul knew the Philippians were going through a really difficult time. Money was not readily available to them and they had already given above and beyond what could be expected. Well, Paul gets around this tricky situation by acknowledging the personal concern of the Philippians, but then moving quickly on to teach them about contentment. To Paul, being content was the great secret to happiness in life. Happiness regardless of whether life was good or bad, whether we have much in the bank or not. Listen to how hard Paul emphasises this in verses 11 and 12. I have learned to be content whatever the circumstances. I know what it is to be in need and I know what it is to have plenty. I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. There is no doubt that the Apostle Paul faced many hardships in his life. The pages of the New Testament tell us that he was beaten and imprisoned on numerous occasions. Once he was even stoned and left for dead. At times, Paul had been the object of riots and uprisings. At others, he'd been deserted by his friends. Of course, there had been moments of great joy as well, as he saw people getting baptised and churches planted. But it's fair to say that Paul regularly went through the full range of human emotion. How could he possibly say then that he'd learnt to be content in every situation? Well, in verse 13, Paul gives us the answer. The secret to maintaining hope and faith in any and every situation is to remember that God is always with you by his spirit. And he is always on your side. In verse 13, Paul said, I can do all this through him who gives me strength. The Apostle Paul must be one of the most robust Christians that has ever lived. I must admit, I look at his life and think that I'm very weak in comparison. But Paul wants all his readers to know that this toughness was not the product of any great human skill or superhuman bravery. It came purely because Christ was at work in his life. Paul didn't want anyone to put him on a pedestal. He wanted everyone to know that everything he achieved was enabled by Christ in him. It was the risen Jesus who had called him into missionary work. It was his love of Jesus that had led him to languishing in prison. 
But for every challenge Paul had come across in his life, he had experienced the Lord Jesus equip him with everything he needed. Where God had given Paul the vision to live his life by, he also gave the provision to live it out. And Paul wanted all his readers to know that God would do the same for them. Verse 19. And my God will meet all your needs according to the riches of his glory in Christ Jesus. Our series for the last 10 weeks has been entitled How to Follow Christ in a Challenging World. And undoubtedly, we will have to demonstrate faith, commitment and costly obedience at times. But ultimately, the only way that any of us can keep going in the world we live in is because God gives us the strength to do it. And it's when we learn to trust God's presence and power and rely totally on his provision that we learn to be content, whatever the circumstances. If we look around us at the world today, we'll see that for our friends and family, colleagues and neighbours, true contentment is a very rare thing. Everyone is on the lookout for more in their life. The next big thing that they think will make them feel complete. But it never does. There was an epidemic of dissatisfaction long before this virus turned up. The oil magnate J.D. Rockefeller was once famously asked, how much money does it take to make a man happy? He answered, just a little bit more than he has. That is so true. The myth that many people live by today is that things can make us happy. So we try to amass more and more of them. But the reality is we can collect all the things we have ever wanted and still feel desperately empty. And then when a crisis like this pandemic comes along, people are left really struggling. Another myth that people invest in today is that of self-determination. The Western world tries to teach us that everything we need is already in ourselves. That's why we read books on self-awareness, self-expression, self-realisation. The self-help guide is a boom industry in our world. But again, this pandemic has shown us that self-reliance really cannot get us through the storms of life. People who have tried to live this way find that they are empty of the reserves they need and are left deflated and depressed. Paul is very clear. The secret to contentment is not more things. It is a relationship with Jesus. It's not learning to rely on yourself, but learning to rely fully on him. Trust in the Lord and he'll provide all you need. He will give you all the hope, peace and assurance required to hold on through any challenges that come your way. There is one final thing to say about contentment before we move to a conclusion. Paul does not mention it here. But because true contentment is so rare in the world, when people see it in somebody's life, it is immensely attractive. Paul has been writing this letter to the church in Philippi. Do you remember what happened to Paul when he had been in Philippi setting up the church? He had been arrested and thrown in jail there too. It's recorded for us in Acts 16. 
Acts 16 tells us that as Paul and Silas were chained up in prison, they were singing songs of praise right through the night. The text tells us that by midnight, they had the rapt attention of all the other prisoners. And shortly afterwards, none other than their jailer and his whole family had come to faith as well. I wonder if that jailer was there when this letter was first read out to the church. I wonder if some of those other prisoners had also made it into the church. Surely some of them had. They knew from eyewitness experience what Paul meant when he said that he'd learnt to be content in any situation. His contentment, his faith had been part of what led them to faith themselves. And so it will prove to be in the world today as people see our ongoing contentment amongst all that we are going through. And of course, bringing the two parts of this sermon together, if we have learned to be truly content in life by trusting in Jesus rather than our material possessions and circumstances, we will be much more likely to give to those in need, like the Philippians had given so sacrificially to Paul. We have discovered so much over the last 10 weeks. I think it's been a timely moment to read Paul's letter to the Philippians. The advice he gave to that embattled church 2,000 years ago has been so pertinent to us as we struggle through this pandemic and the challenges of being a Christian in 21st century Britain. I wonder what it is that you will take away from this letter. Perhaps it will be the promise of the gospel that to live is Christ and to die is gain. Perhaps it will be the encouragement to live in unity with our brothers and sisters, serving one another like Christ. Perhaps it will be the call to prayer when we are anxious for God promises to give us his peace. There really is a lot of great advice to look back on. But maybe we can sum everything up by looking at three words Paul uses in his closing verses, verses 20 to 24. Those words being glory, greetings and grace. How do we follow Christ in a challenging world? Well, we live with the one desire to bring glory to God. After all, that is our purpose as human beings. We seek to greet our brothers and sisters, helping them along in their journey of faith, just as they help us. And when trials come, we trust in the grace of our Lord Jesus rather than our own resources. If we do that, we will always have reason to be content. <laughs>